Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Gary Beck. Gary is the owner of Killer B Promotions. For more on Gary, you can check out, he runs a great youth tournament, TeenMastersBowling.com. It's TeenMastersBowling.com. For more on Gary and his premier high school bowling tournaments for young people out there. Gary, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Tim. Well, Gary, I want to talk about you run some of the best tournaments for high school bowlers in the country, in the world, could say. So let's first off begin. You changed some rules, and it kind of caused a little bit of a stir, and then it's kind of dying down a little bit. But let's talk about, I guess, talk about first off the rules that you changed and then why you felt it was necessary. About three weeks ago, maybe four, I was contacted by one of the kids who has bowled in the Teen Masters for, I'm going to say, four or five years now. And he contacted me to ask if he would lose his eligibility to participate in the team masters this coming year if he signed a ball contract. And I asked him if he had checked with his state high school activities association. I, I used to be a ninth grade science teacher. Um, I've been dealing with various state associations and for the past several years. And, and so I, I asked him a very simple question, and he said, well, yes. And I said, well, what do they tell you? And they said, well, I wouldn't be eligible to compete on my high school team anymore. But I wanted to know if, if it would impact team masters. And, and we talked a bit about how he's only going to be a senior in high school one time in his life, and he's going to have dozens of years ahead of him where he could get a ball contract and, 
was it really worth him giving up his high school eligibility for discounts on a few bowling balls? And we hung up, and the next day I decided to reach out to a few other states to see if this was unique to where he lived or if it was more the law of the land. And I talked to um, probably three or four additional states and and then I have some contacts at the National Federation of State High School Activity Associations, and I called and talked with them as well. And, you know, bowling, bowling does not have clearly defined rules on what separates an amateur from a professional. Um, almost everybody within the sport of bowling bowls for money, even if they're bantams in a youth league they're contributing typically to a prize fund that is dispersed at the end of the program as a scholarship. Um, senior citizens, bowl. the only people who really bowl for the pure enjoyment of bowling are the recreational players who come in for a birthday party or, or glow-in-the-dark bowling, whatever. Um, but... What I learned when I contacted these various state associations was that even a small discount or a gift, um, the acceptance of any kind of a merch of merchandise or uh, athletic gear was basically what they called professionalism. People, especially if it wasn't something. Um, that was available to the general public, uh, where an individual is singled out because of their athletic ability to receive the special consideration, again, be it a discount or free product. Um, and it just, I became aware that no one in the industry really talks about this, and the majority of kids and the majority of manufacturers are oblivious to the fact that these rules even exist. Um, and so I, I posted a, um, a position on Facebook a few weeks ago calling for a moratorium on signing high school students to staff contracts. And I called on the manufacturers to do this on their own. And it's not just ball companies, but it's grip companies and it's shirt companies and shoe companies and insert companies. Um, but any of those things can cause a high school student to lose their eligibility. And on the girls' side, it can cause girls to become um, unable to accept an NCA or to go to an NCA school and bowl on an NCA scholarship because they have very strict rules in regard to amateurism and professionalism. So I put this position up, and then I, I walked into a pro shop a couple of days ago and the individual who runs the shop is someone I've known for a few years, and he commented, well, I, I agree with everything you posted. Are you going to do anything about it? And I'm like, what do you mean am I going to do anything about it? He's, are, are you going to, are your actions going to back up your words? And I, um, it didn't take me a whole lot of time to consider that this was something that I could do um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to punish people who have already 
accepted a contract in the past. Um, because again, most people are unaware that these kind of rules even exist out there in the sports world. Um, but the states that do have official bowling, you know, varsity bowling as part of their high school sports offering, I haven't found a state yet where the acceptance of merchandise um, by a young athlete would not cause them to become ineligible to participate in high school bowling. So I implemented a rule that basically says that, and it brings us into line with the activity and athletic associations across the country that um, you cannot accept merchandise in exchange for promotional consideration based on your athletic ability. Now, if, you know, Dexter is a sponsor of the Team Masters, and I know that Dexter has several programs where they have gone in and made offers to entire bowling teams where they can receive discounts, significant discounts on, on Dexter bowling shoes, but it's, it's offered to everyone. And it's not one individual being singled out separate from the others. So those kinds of offers um, are not problematic. It's, it's where an individual basically, whether it's verbal or it's written, is signed to a, a staff contract by a manufacturer and they receive compensation in the form of product, be it discounted or free, in exchange for promotional consideration. And that, that does, in fact, make those individuals professionals, even though bowling refuses to recognize them as such. But in the sports world and in high school athletics, that would cause them to become disqualified. And so um, we added that rule to align ourselves in, and hopefully to help educate the young bowlers and their families that this this exists out there and it will help them to avoid making a mistake that might cost them their eligibility. So have the high schools and other junior events and tournaments just been kind of looking looking away from this, or has it not come up until this recent event you said where someone was signed, you know, a high school player was signed to a staff, or what's been happening prior to this? Well, I mean, you rewind a few decades, and the only people – the only people who were offered staff contracts were the elite stars of the PBA. Um, you know, getting a contract was something that you had to work years and years toward. But, but in recent years, there's been a proliferation and a um, an increase in the number of. Um, I mean, you, you go to various websites and you'll see our pro staff and you'll see. Our amateur staff, well, again, bowling is one of those, bowling's a very unique animal when it comes to who's considered a pro. Um, I gave the example on Facebook, a college student, I mean, pretend we live in a parallel universe where the PBA is still a more lucrative career choice than the PGA. According to our current rules, a college student could go out and win millions of dollars competing in PBA events, pocket that money. I mean, it's cash. We're not talking scholarships here. We're talking money. And they can maintain their eligibility to bowl on a college team. 
take a different college student who goes to PBA tournaments, never wins a dime, but decides that they're going to join the organization and they send $19.95 to the PBA for their first month's dues. And even without winning a single penny, they instantly become ineligible for college bowling because they are, quote, a professional. And we just, we as an industry have a culture of professional amateurism where amateurs compete for money, amateurs are given consideration, pay for bowling, and yet we we call them amateurs. And so it's just a culture where this isn't recognized as professionalism, and yet every other sport. I mean, I'll be at a sports conference next week in Pittsburgh where I'll be... I'll be meeting and, and having uh, seminars and stuff with, with individuals who run softball leagues and baseball leagues and lacrosse and um, various types of run and stuff. We're the only sport where these people are playing for money. Um, and so it's just not something that people have recognized or even thought about. So this thing of high school students being on staff is, I'm going to say it's relatively new. I'm sure there may be some exceptions out there. Um, but I did talk to the president of one of the ball manufacturers today, and I've reached out to the others, but have yet to talk with them. But I just wanted, I want them to know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And um, he was surprised to, to learn that this is the circumstance, this is the reality of what's out there. Um and he's he's indicated that he will encourage his um, his company and their ball reps and and others to stop pursuing high school students for this because the last thing I mean we as an industry are trying to grow high school bowling and at the same time we are um, basically compromising the young individuals who have the talent to actually help lead the growth by making them professionals and making them ineligible. Gary, I have to ask, can you name that company or that corporation that said they would be doing that? Um, I want to give them a chance to actually deal with the staff first, but my hope is that I'm going to get commitments from a number of companies and then basically um, publish kind of a, a commitment that these companies have joined with me in this. Um, so now it's a little premature. Okay. And I'd also like permission just to tell him I'm I'm going public with this before I do so. But um Okay, I guess my this leads into a question where where is the line drawn? Is it at staffing or is it can I as, you know, Tim Berg, the individual and I may even be a little bit of a different, you know, gray area with the website and what I do. Can I go out and if I see last night I was practicing, for example, with a high school player up in Grants Pass throwing and I look at his bowling ball, and not nothing against plugging bowling balls, but it had been plugged about three different times. Can I just say, here, I don't, you know, this ball isn't working for me. Have it. Does that is that going to affect his eligibility to bowl on his high school team and then compete, moving on down the line at, at you know, say for instance, at your tournaments? Well, uh, those circumstances are not the intent of this. So it it primarily, you know, the line is drawn at someone is receiving a um, 
Well, in Florida, for instance, the line is $50 per year. But, you know, obviously I, as a dad, could go out and buy my son a bowling ball and give it to him, and and that exceeds $50, but I paid for it, and it, it's not... I'm not giving it to him so that he will do something in return for a ball company in terms, excuse me, of promotion. Um, I specifically asked um, the athletic association in Florida about a circumstance where a uh, coach, not a high school coach, a bowling coach would give one of her students a bowling ball. And then I even asked, would it make a difference if it was used? Um, and those kind of circumstances is not something that would typically cause an individual be, to be identified as a professional or, or not an amateur because it's not being done with the intent of obligating them to promote a specific brand um, of, uh, of equipment. Um, so the idea that you would help uh, an individual kid is not something that I, I believe. Again, this can vary state by state. Um, that are the intent of these rules or would cause a student to lose their eligibility. But it is, it is an area where people need to be very careful. And if there's a question, my advice to the individual bowler, the, the kid, is to say, no, thank you. Um, but... Um, you know, where this comes down to is if an individual is being singled out because of their talent, their athletic ability to receive special consideration, um, that is where we get into trouble. So what you described, you're bowling with a kid, you see he's got a used ball, you help him out. You're not asking him to go out now and do promotional efforts for the company whose logo happened to be on that bowling ball, I'm assuming. So to me, that's, that's a neutral act, and it's not something that should cause a problem. It's where someone like this young man who contacted me would be receiving a series of bowling balls at a significant discount if he would agree to wear a certain manufacturer's logoed shirt during competitions that he goes to and would be active on Facebook and and uh, Instagram and Twitter, promoting the fact that he bowled a nice high score because of the bowling ball that was in his hand. Gotcha. Now, the the one thing I guess where I want to go with this is it seems like bowling and youth bowling for scholarships and smart education funds and stuff that seems like it has all like amped up to the nth degree lately i mean i grew up bowling in the late 80s early 90s in juniors and bantams and by the time i got to high school there were the you know the uh scratch bowling tour tournaments where you could win scholarship money and etc but it didn't seem it seems like that whole thing has been supersized is that what your findings are too as someone who's been involved in high school you know in collegiate bowling and youth bowling for as long as you have I had this conversation this afternoon as well, and it's, um, I started the Teen Masters back in 1997. I had just come back from, um, I had just come back from Hong Kong where I moved to start the Asian Bowling Tour, and um, I ran my first event in Akron, Ohio in 1997, and 
there wasn't much else around at that point in time. There were uh, a variety of tournaments like uh, Chuck Lozano Jr.'s Junior Bowlers Tour over in New Jersey. Um, there was the Coca-Cola tournament was, you know, a national event um, and had both scratch and handicap divisions. But um, Junior Gold hadn't started yet. And the landscape has changed pretty dramatically since 1997. Um, and it's, I, I tried on, I'm a former teacher, and I believe very, very strongly in the value of education. But, um, and so, so I've, I've awarded awarded a decent amount of scholarship money since starting the team masters, but I've also been troubled by our sports dependence on money to motivate people to participate. And I, I think it, it actually has somewhat of a, um, of a hindering factor in that if, if you look at the typical league, I don't know what your son paid on a weekly basis to participate, but I can pretty much guarantee you that he would have paid less if there had not been a scholarship component to the program. Um, the typical adult league, based on an informal survey that I did, prize money actually more than doubles the cost of bowling in a league. If you just came in and bowled for the three games are paid for the three games and the secretary's fee to keep track of the scores, you know, you could bowl multiple leagues for the same amount of money, but prize money is something that people seem to be afraid. If we don't have it, we will lose participation. And again, I'm, I'm going to the sports conference next week where I'll be meeting with, well, there's a gentleman who runs a softball tour. And it's for it's for seniors. It's for for guys fifty years of age and older. And the entry fee for a team is is four hundred to nine hundred, depending on the event. And the players arrive on a Friday night. They drive three, four, five, and six hours to get to the tournament. They spend two nights in a hotel, and they they get guaranteed two games of softball. And I'm like, so what do they win? And he's like, well, everybody gets a T-shirt. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but what does first place get? And the team gets a trophy. And I said, if I tried to do that in the bowling world, I would get laughed at. Because we don't bowl for pride and prestige, and we don't necessarily bowl for the social aspects. We look at how much can I win, and is there a break-even proposition on whether the trip is worthwhile? And we are, we are the only sport at the amateur level that does that. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of talking in a, in a broader term now, but this, is, this started at the adult level, and it has moved down into the college ranks and into the high school ranks, and it is very difficult to get away from our culture of regardless of whether you're young or old, amateur or professional, there is a financial component to participation unless you're just a recreational player. And we 
we have to be very careful as we try to grow high school bowling that we don't let our focus on money allow us to cause hundreds and thousands of kids to lose the opportunity to bowl for their high school team. I don't know of a better experience for a young bowler than to be able to represent their school, whether it's at the high school level, high school level or the college level. Um, and I just hate to see us compromise that. So, Gary, i got two final questions for you. First one is this. I had an interview, and I'm going to send you the link after we finish up here, where I talked with J.R. Raymond. And he said, he kind of mimicked the same thing about what you're saying. His thought was that money has ruined leagues for adults. Because it, it's like you said, I, I feel like I'm hearing, <laughs> hearing flashbacks of our interview with him. But basically, he said the same thing. Where else can you go and bowl an adult league, whether it's darts or, or any, anything else that you do as an adult, softball, baseball, etc., and make money back like you do in bowling. And he feels that that ruined part of the game of bowling and people just doing it for the love of bowling. So it seems like this is something that's going on. And then the other thing I want to kind of end with and get your comments on as well is I had Elisa Current on, high school coach, or excuse me, college coach, and she said she can't even go and she can go and watch, observe high school players, but she can't even help them. She can't even coach them. She has to just sit back in the stands or that's and she coaches ladies, so that's a or that's a violation of NCAA rules, and she could be in trouble, and then the player could be in trouble as well. So these two, you know, so that's a problem. What Jr. you know mentioned with this leagues, you know, and why money ruined leagues, like you just said, is a problem. So is there is yeah, and is there a short way to is there a short answer on how we can fix this? I mean, it sounds like you're trying to do your best on the junior side of things, and but is there a way, other way to fix this? Oh, it, 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 it wouldn't be simple, but if there was a way that we could redefine what a professional was, who was allowed to play for money, um, I mean, I just look at the number, and, and there would be numerous bowling centers closing regardless of how well the sport is doing. It's, it's just part of the pro. You, you look at the movie theater industry and the Rialto that I used to go to as a kid has long been shuttered and replaced by a multiplex out on the edge of town. You know, so the small bowling centers that are 40 and 50 years old, many of them are going to close over the coming years, and there's really nothing that could have ever been done to stop that. And some of them are being replaced by nicer facilities. But we as a sport are just very confused in how to motivate participation. Um, And we seem to be convinced that the only way we can do it is by paying people to come bowl. And it, it's not true. If you, if you look at the casual customer, they, they don't play for money and yet they come in and spend a lot of it. Um, so you know, I, I wish it was as easy as just waving a magic wand and anybody who wanted to play for cash would go join the PBA tour and we could focus on building strong fundamentals and and good skills with the young kids and and those that you know want to become lifetime participants could do so without having to to pay a, an extra financial burden by paying larger entry fees in order to cover scholarship awards but um i i've tried on three different occasions to make the team masters all about pride and prestige, and I got slapped silly by the marketplace. Um, 
people didn't understand why someone would enter a tournament if they couldn't win something. Um, so it's, it's a confused state, but what's not confused are the rules of the high school athletic associations that are very clear on what an amateur is and what a professional is. And we in our industry have practices that violate those rules. So hopefully we can get that under control and then maybe in the future we can start dealing with the issue of, of, um, where the role that money plays in, in amateur bowling events. And Gary, I want to briefly give you the final minute here or two to talk about teenmastersbowling.com. Some of the upcoming events you have for some of the, you know, the youngsters out there these days. Well, I, I just found something. I'm an ex-science teacher and, and we've been doing our skill environment where everybody throws the same two bowling balls for the last three years. And the first year we surveyed everybody, and, and this year we surveyed again. And 98% of the kids have indicated that they believe bowling in this environment helps them in their other competition. Uh, there were a lot of people before this happened saying that bowling in the skill environment with neutral balls and reduced oil volumes would mess up their approach or their release and they would suffer when they went back to, quote, the normal environment. But 98% of them believe it helps them. And so I started looking to see if there was really any evidence to back that up. So I compiled a database of the kids who bowled team masters the last three years in the skill environment and then cross-referenced it with junior gold in Chicago this year and the 3,161 bowlers they had. And the Team Masters alumni who had skill experience made up only 7.37% of those kids. So there's 200 and something Team Masters bowlers, and there's 2,900 others. And um, I was happy to find out that that 7% won 50% of the titles in Chicago. So uh, I believe we have empirical evidence now that this environment actually does help bowlers become better bowlers. And so we're putting together a, a very aggressive schedule of qualifying events all across the country. We're offering bowling centers a chance to run what we're calling a Team Masters Experience Program in their center where the kids can bowl on our patterns with these balls, it will help them in their accuracy and their spare making pretty much all around. And then something that's different this year, our entry fees for the qualifying tournaments are going to drop from $99 to $49. And we're going to be guaranteeing $2,500 in scholarship awards. There we are back to the money again, but we're dropping our entry fees in half and, and adding $2,500 in scholarship awards. So the scholarships are not being paid for by the kids at each one of our qualifying tournaments. Well, great stuff. So it should be a very exciting season for us, and um, we're looking forward to, um, to kids who believe in themselves and are willing to be tested to come participate in our events. And before we go, Gary, I have to mention BowlingThisMonth.com. Check them out at BowlingThisMonth.com. Lots of great articles. Part two is up of their choking under pressure and how to avoid that. I know that's something 
a lot of bowlers have going on with their mental game and need to work on and also some of the other tips to get you prepared for the fall season as we begin tournaments get back into league play talking about some great stuff heather dierico has an article up about uh, training and fitness and the ball reviews some great uh, new pieces a lot of great new pieces out there so check out their ball reviews before you head out and purchase one of those from your local pro shop again make sure you check out bowlingthismonth.com got a great money back guarantee offer going on right now lots of great content on there that you're going to need to improve and the place where bowlers go if they're looking to improve their game again bowlingthismonth.com 